Well, Tony, uh, we're doing it again. I'm on the road uh, broadcasting remotely, but it's not stopping us. We're still getting what is a very special episode for us in the can, as they say. Yeah, we had to do this. And I will confess to being a little stressed out because, you know, you're on the road again. And last time this happened, it, 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 it was very traumatic for me. Are you gone for a while or are you here? Are you back again? What's happening? That's the good news is this is only a one-week trip. I'm on the road doing Oak Island-type things, which I'll be able to talk about soon. Um, but, yeah, so I'm doing the Oak Island thing. Uh, it was kind of a, not a last-minute trip, but I kind of actually forgot when we were recording last week. Like, oh, yeah, I'm gone that week because it wasn't like a 15-week thing I had to plan for and tell you. So uh, just a week. I'm back Saturday. Uh, I'll be back next week. But this is right. a very special episode for us, Tony. Uh, thanks to Superfan. Kerrig, um, who's just been amazing, by the way. May every podcast have a super fan like Kerrig. It's what we're you, really it's what lucky. You, yeah, uh, it's what you hope for. Um, well, he put together our list for us, and I realized oh, this tonight is our fiftieth episode. You, you are you serious? This uh-huh. is fifty episodes. Uh huh. People have been listening to us jabber about movies for 50 episodes. Yeah, and we're actually gaining audience, which is kind of shocking, but we wow. are. What? Uh, that's so gratifying. What an amazing thing. That uh, that's, makes me really happy. 50 episodes. Yeah, so we've been doing it uh, for just about exactly a year with stops and starts. As we just mentioned, I was gone for weeks and weeks this summer, and we missed a bunch. But, um, you know, just about a year. 50 episodes uh so we thank you if you're just joining us thank you for finding us um we always encourage participation if there's a paranormal themed movie no matter what the subject matter if it kind of fits in the paranormal world we will review it or tv show we just tony and i were just texting each other about a new netflix show that's number one right now uh that we both watched the pilot of that we'll probably tackle so we do old stuff new stuff as long as it's paranormally themed we will get to it so give us your suggestions and and we'll get to it and Actually, tonight for our 50th episode, we have a fun show, Tony. Uh, We're going to review what is arguably the granddaddy of all paranormal movies, Alien, the first Alien. Um, So that's that's perfect as it turns out for our 50th episode. Then we're going to play a little game. Instead of our top three, which we normally would do, um, we're going to do kind of our own version of the Academy Awards. We're going to pick our favorite moments, our favorite scenes, our favorite films, from our list of 50, from all the ones we've done so far. So we encourage you to play along. Here are the categories, actually, if you want to play along, start preparing your list. We're going to do uh, favorite line, uh, our favorite shot, our favorite performance, and then pick an overall favorite film of the 50. All of these things are impossible to do, but that's why we're going to do them, because it's fun. Um, I feel completely underprepared, and yet <laughs> I probably have too many ideas for that. So, as usual, I'm I'm full of term, inner turmoil. <laughs> it wouldn't be rated P for paranormal if, <laughs> if you weren't, Tony. Um, I'm also going to be doing dinner and a movie here because I'm going to be. I've got room service, and I'm you know it's just you're a mess. I'm a mess, but we're going to get this done. You're privy to the real. This is the real stuff here. This is what it's really like chaotic you know in the booth in the field trying to do a show on the road eating a sandwich over your computer it's what we do it's how we live 
You know what occurs to me, though, Tony, is that, um, hey, both working actors who are actually working and hosting and, and doing the thing, and you've got a film this year, so it's been a great year, um, and, and we're both working, and that's saying a lot these days especially. My goodness. I, I feel incredibly fortunate and uh, and very, very lucky to be able to continue to do stuff in the, in the field that I like and that I chose. Um and um uh yeah i feel pretty pretty positive about this new year you know i mean like i've got a i you know i've got a lot of good me too. vibes going in about this year so i'm me excited too, me too and this is a great way to kick it off so if you occasionally hear tony say something today and i get excited and i'll i'll forget that i have a mouthful of food i'm just warning you it's going to go something like this in the show tony says something brilliant and i'm going to go oh yeah holy <laughs> I'll 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 add a lot more like snarky coffee drinking too. Yeah, a couple well placed sips would be great. Coffee pauses. When I yeah. say something that you'll assuredly disagree with, I just mm-hmm. take a long, pretentious, angry sip. Yeah, our, we're known for our pauses now. We're like the Jack Benny of paranormal podcasting. Here, wait, let's test it out. Tony, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger is a really decent actor. Okay, we're we have to just reset, not bring up the past, and move forward. By the way, you took a little heat from our audience uh, on social media. Someone said, "Hey, Tony, let off some steam." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I tried. I I I, I was trying to let off steam during the show. <laughs> and uh, Matt C, one of our fans, uh, he he messaged us and he said. Hey, Tony, if Arnold Schwarzenegger was a bad actor, he'd be Jean-Claude Van Damme, which I thought was pretty funny. That is pretty funny. <laughs> Stick by my guns, can I tell you? I know you do, brother. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, Alien for our 50th episode. The rain comes down. The rain gets high. The rain comes around. And she needs to buy some from me The rain gets her She can't cry But she doesn't need anyone She doesn't feel anything She doesn't After a space merchant vessel receives an unknown transmission as a distress call, one of the crew is attacked by a mysterious life form, and they soon realize that a giant Hulu ad is going to pop over what you're reading and ruin it. They realize (laughs) that its life cycle has merely just begun, of course, Tony. But you know what? It's perfect that that happened because I don't need to read some uh, pre-done description of this film Anybody who's interested in our podcast, I think, would know that this is Alien by Ridley Scott. Just an all-time classic. And I I hope that this, you know, my guess is, Tony, that our, in this instance, our Academy Awards we're going to do at the end of our 50 episodes is going to be more interesting than our review of this. Because, quite frankly, I was thinking about it. I don't know what to say about this movie, but praise it. And and I just don't know how interesting that'll be. Hopefully, it will be a little bit. But man, I I, I was I'm I'm similarly you know I'm daunted. It's a daunting thing 
first of all, it's it is a stone cold classic, and um, it's it's a classic for a lot of really good reasons, and it's held up over the years. It's a <sighs> it's a movie from a while ago that still has legs and still talked about. Um, it still feels kind of modern in a lot of ways, and um, because it really set the tone for a lot of cinema afterwards. You know, a lot of people imitated it, and I, you know, also the other thing that's daunting is that so many podcasts and people have done alien or covered this or talked about it it's very written about endlessly very reviewed and discussed movie by very smart people so like what the hell am i going to say what are we going to say but it kind of strikes to the point i was thinking about this we're not film critics i'm not we're not that's not what we are i'm i'm not trained to do that you know i'm i'm a filmmaker we make films you're an actor you do stuff like we, we in them so we have a different viewpoint on it and and i guess like the interesting conversation is more of like how the movie strikes us, what, what, what our experience with it has been in our life and, and how we feel about it now. And granted it's, it's, it's like a movie that's going to be in our life for the rest of our lives. It's just a perennial. Yeah. One thing that uh, came to mind as I was watching it and you reference how imitated it is. Does this make sense to you that in one sense I was, Disappointed is the wrong word. I had a growing sense of unease or anger, a little bit of anger that this movie was made in what, 1970 what, Tony? Uh, it was made in 1978. Made in 1978. And we haven't, in terms of alien uh, spacecraft movies, <laughs> you know, not only has nothing beat it, I'm not sure much has come close to it. And I'm going that's disappointing you know it sounds weird to say i was disappointed about how great it was but does that make <laughs> sense to you i was disappointed about how great it was so i'm like we I, can't even touch this movie well still. it's it's hard to deal with these giant film you know these these giant movies and i don't mean we don't just mean giant movies like a uh, famous movie because it's it's both famous but it's also like critically really really uh, appreciated and it's really deep and there's a lot going on in it and and so it, it, it's it, it would be a whole season's worth of shows just talking about the making of it and the whole everything behind it and and and, right. and, and the discussion behind it. It's it's huge. I mean, it's similar to two thousand and one, which would be a bigger thing, you know, to tackle and even scarier, really, for me. But but I mean, other than the thing, I'm I'm finding it tough to come up with any other movie that that is in the same, you know, uh, arena with this with this film. Um, I do have feelings about it. I do think that some stuff is better than other stuff. I have, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and this comes from a lot of love because mm -hmm. I don't think we have to beat around the bush. We both like this movie. <laughs> Clearly, we're both like on board with it and it's belongs on the shelf. It belongs, you know, for sure. It's um, as we say in sports, it's a first ballot Hall of Famer. <laughs> I um, probably agree with you. You know, it's funny, though, we have reviewed a couple of classic movies, you know, kind of darlings in the paranormal space, and have been a little surprised at how, like, mm, it didn't hold up as much as I thought it would. You know, that's happened. Yeah. I think, I'm thinking it, of Poltergeist, maybe. Yeah, it can happen. It can but happen. This, but... this was not that experience for me. I was, I was uh, just blown away again. Well, this is one of those movies that, I mean, similar, like, to The Exorcist that which which Ridley Scott talks about as being 
probably the only other horror movie he really respects other than the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which was the most influential movie on, on Alien, apparently, mm-hmm. for him. Wow. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's... um, it, it It's so interesting, just, just these characters in this dire situation. I, I prefer... Like, I'm in love with the first half of this movie in a way that... I rarely feel about almost any movie. I just, I get lost in it. Wow. It's hard for me to even talk about that first half because it's just so perfect to me. Yeah. The second half is where it becomes a bit more of a B movie in terms of it being more just that's the action part of it. Like that's sure. the monster chasing all that stuff. Sure. And it, and maybe I've, because I've seen it like whatever, 40 times, I've seen this movie so many times, honestly. Right. At least 20 times. I've seen the whole thing, and then I've seen pieces of it, you know, over the years. Okay, that that begs an excellent question as to what we can bring to this review or opinion of it. Uh, you've seen it 20 to 40 times, somewhere in there. This most recent viewing, what was different about it? What did you... What was the kind of headline that maybe blinked in your mind? Of, Boy, I've seen well, it this many times, and I'm noticing this or thinking this because I've watched it a lot or watched sections of it to analyze it, you know, or sure. think about it. If it comes up in conversation, I'll just kind of watch it. And it's also a movie I like to have on in the background because it's so pretty and it's just really beautiful ah, to wow, kind of wow. see. Yeah. Um, and so I usually try to be like, I, I usually have notes ready and like try to be analytical a little bit when I'm watching movies for us, because I might only have one chance to, yeah. to watch it. And I, I need you know, I, I'd prefer to just kind of get lost in it, but this was, I just decided to like, just get lost, like really see this, like you haven't seen it before. And I really concentrated on trying to see it. Like it was the first, maybe the first time. Mm. Um, and you do kind of notice different things when you, when you, when you do that. And I felt like it was a bit of a different viewing because of that for me. How, what was your experience? I mean, when was the last time you saw it? Uh, not too long ago. I think I watched it on Halloween weekend last year, I remember. Um, and I saw it when I was probably 15 or 16 for the first time, I guess. I don't remember how old well, I was. In, in, in the theater? No, you wouldn't have seen it in no, the theater. No, I never saw it in the theater. I never saw the theater, unfortunately. I, <laughs> I wish I had. I, I, I was, I guess, I was, like 10 when it came out. I yeah, saw it. I was I saw or it, something. Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing that struck me... And, and, and I haven't seen it nearly as much as you, but probably half dozen times. And then, and then, you know, scenes of it a lot, obviously mm-hmm. we all have. But um, one thing that struck me that I forgot, well, I guess two things. One was, it's funny you mentioned Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I forgot how claustrophobic this film is. And I'm, I suffer from claustrophobia in real life. Uh-huh. Um, it's just, you're just cramped and you're never given a break and <laughs> it's just wonderful and uh and and her, the other thing that i didn't really realize is her emergence as hero takes time i forgot that yeah and like you're not even sure that you know if you watch it as if you're watching it through the lens of someone watching it for the first time you're not even sure that she's going to be the the star of this thing as a matter of fact it seems like she's kind of buried in it a little bit mm-hmm. at times and and her emergence was i totally forgot that i was expecting because i'm thinking of all the other subsequent aliens of like you know she's just going to come kick an ass off the screen and it is not that at all that's a great point and that's another one of those things where I, trying to watch it with fresh eyes kind of gives you um 
and not just fresh eyes, but fresh eyes from 1978. Like mm-hmm. I keep on harping on this mm-hmm. in the show, but I really, I really, really urge people to think about a little bit about the framework, or like when the movie is made that you're watching, because yes, I may make too much of the idea of something being first. And God knows this isn't first because he's stolen all the makers of this movie stole pieces from a lot of different kinds of horror movies, like wholesale to make this. But, um, being in the head, in the headspace of what audiences were used to seeing. And then what you get here in 1978, that's a big deal. And so you have to kind of go back and erase a lot of stuff that you, that you've seen since that was inspired by it. Um, and you're right. She doesn't, it's not telegraphed that she's going to be the hero. And that's a really brave thing to do, particularly by risking that big film on a female lead, which wasn't popular to do at the time. You know, it was, it was a gamble and it boy, does it pay off? Oh my God. Is she fantastic or what? Like it's truly, you know, we're, we're about to do this Academy Awards thing here. The, the Maddie and Tony's (laughs) and, uh, (laughs) And, uh, you know, it's hard not to pick her. I'm trying to stay away from recency bias, like for greatest performance ever of all the 50 movies we've picked. Um, boy, you know, she's right up there. So, yes. The other thing that I was thinking of you, Tony, actually, is we've talked about, I've tried to have you as a director that you are. Like, tell me why, tell me why some scenes with an ensemble of actors works and other scenes, it just seems like, as you say, they met at craft services that day. There's not an authenticity to it. And you talk about the time spent um, that some directors will have the luxury to be able to have a team live for a week together and like cowboy, if that's what the movie is, or, you know, whatever it is they're supposed to be doing. And you, man, I mean, is this Ridley Scott's best film in a way? Because that team on that ship looks like they have been there as long as they're supposed to have been there and it's just a master yeah. it's right it's so it's i thought great, of you the it's whole a, time like wow that's exactly what tony talks about is the that level of, of yeah it's incredibly realistic and gritty and and um believable that these people are are know each other and have relationships that started before the movie started you know yes um that are that are not explained to you in in like banal you know character descriptions or scenes about stuff there's no, there's very little personal stuff discussed in the movie at all i mean you get the feeling that ripley and dallas had an affair or had some kind of a thing it's never it's never addressed directly but you somehow feel it and I, and i think that's because those actors you know tom scarrett and sigourney weaver i think were you know playing with that idea behind the between the lines you know um between what they had to say it i don't think they had a lot of time to rehearse on this film because they were casting and recasting right up until the last second he just cast he has a great you know eye for actors and which is which is good because i don't know that he actually can help an actor if they're in trouble i think he might maybe be one of the people who admit that like he's a designer right not really a theater guy i don't think he has training to you know, an acting training, like to, to get down on the floor with them and rehearse. And I think he leaves all that up to them. And I think that's a lot like the way Kubrick worked, you know? Um, And sometimes that can work if you have the right group. Well, his, uh, Scott's genius uh, certainly here was just the casting 
this yeah. unbelievable group of people there everybody in it is 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 just doing brilliant stuff like everybody and they they all had you know they were all theater people too I, i've said this a lot but like this is what you get when you hire a group of actors who are theater trained and and um are used to creating scenes themselves with each other mm. with other actors and that's a lot of responsibility that you have in theater that the really scott knew he needed that so like i mean tom skerritt wasn't known for theater i'm sure he did it but like right. almost everybody else certainly the brits in this were like royal shakespeare um yeah they they just he hired the right people incredible john hurd came came in he was hired the night before he started shooting that's ridiculous. he replaced an actor who got sick that's ridiculous I mean, that's, you know, I was thinking of a movie since, since we're looking back at the 50 movies we've done tonight. Um, I was looking back at a movie like The Wind. And I don't know if you remember that. Where we were. It was the movie where um, the, the couple was on the planes. Yes, I yeah. remember, yeah. And there's a cabin across the way. It's not on my list. I'm sorry. Well, um, you know, a movie like that. Do you remember I was talking about, not to, you know, throw it under the bus or anything, but it, I, I thought about it. And the scenes were like they're eating, let's say, or doing what they're doing around the table. And the authenticity of that scene and, and the movie like The Wind, um, you know, uh, the, the, the costuming looked freshly pressed. You know, there's supposed to be a farmer on the plains, you know, and you talked about, well, you know, they probably didn't have the time. This could, it, you mentioned that, um, you know, they might have had a budget where they could just shoot this thing for a weekend. You don't know, and it looks really good. Um, but it was so, it, it was such a clear line of delineation for me of, of how to immerse a viewer into a world like that movie, them around a table and this movie, that crew around a table. Mm -hmm. If you had told me it was a documentary about a ship, about a a literal ship, like a, 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 a submarine and that's the crew in the submarine and it's, and it's found footage of a documentary of us. I'll be like, yeah, okay. I totally believe yeah, that. <laughs> it really <laughs> you know? feels incredibly lived in and incredibly yeah. real. And you know, really Scott's got a lot to do with that. There's a lot of brilliant people that worked on this thing a lot, but the one person who brought stuff that was just ridiculous was him. He just brought mm-hmm. a level of ability and, and talent to, to designing and, and, and getting this thing done mm. that um, I can't think of another director really who would have had the tenacity to do it. I mean, you know, here's an interesting story about him. I, I know, I knew he was a, you know, I know he's a, a designer. He came from like a commercial background. So his early stuff, his early part of his career was directing and shooting very big commercials, huge commercials, you know, a lot of money. He was used to having a lot of creative control there. So when he started making movies, he wasn't going to give that up. He'd already like clawed his way to the top of that business. And he wanted that to translate into how he was treated in his vision of these movies. And, you know, you could say that's a little bit, uh, that's a lot of hubris. He's got a big ego, but man, like what, what you're seeing is all because he pushed it that hard to make it look that good. Um, and man, does this look good, this movie. I mean, it just feels so good. What I was saying is that he's a, he, he can illustrate, so he does his own storyboards. And he, he storyboarded this entire film before it was a sure deal that it was going to happen. 
and his storyboards actually doubled the budget. They had something like four plus million to make it at first. And he showed them the storyboards and the studio went, we're doubling it. Wow. If you can do anything like this, we're, we're doubling it. And he, and he did it. It's crazy. Well, you storyboard too. Um, you're yeah, not like that. Oh, no, your, your drawings are incredible. But, um, yeah, I mean, do you think, do you think it's his best film since we're on a Ridley Scott, uh, discussion here god that's a hard one and you know me i'm like i'm kind of i'm resistant to those favorite best of things a little bit but um i i i think it's hard to say if it's it's between blade runner and that i mean i mean you know blade runner is another ridiculously influential powerful movie experience but i think i don't know i i i kind of feel like Blade Runner has more interesting things to say in the end of it, so mm-hmm. I kind mm-hmm. of appreciate that about it. And my, like what I was feeling is like to me, Alien, the first half of it is sheer genius, and then when it gets into the roller coaster ride, I'm a little bit less involved, just maybe because I know the outcome and it's not sure. Um, um, and you're right; it it does become basically basically pure action uh, for a, a good chunk of it. Yeah, and and it's not necessarily really Scott's like forte mm. action Desi- you know incredible design pacing rhythm you know music performance uh um, suspense totally if, if i was thinking about like what would be like if somebody with spielberg's eye for action and geography with action sequences did some of that that last third of this movie mm. which gets a little bit like just crawling down hallways a little bit like there's a yeah. there's not quite as much storytelling going on as maybe there is in the first half and yes. if there's any complaint about it i guess that would be it for me but it's yeah. who cares it's so it's so good and if you've never seen it before that second half is beyond belief right you right. know yeah yeah as a first time experience well if you've never seen it before <laughs> Why are you listening to this podcast? Right. Point? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Um, I would encourage you to definitely uh yeah, I mean it's it's you can't again, you know, it's it's a tentpole paranormal movie. It you know, and and it's so funny, we're talking a lot about disclosure these days and will there be disclosure and has it already started and uh, it hasn't, nothing new. Back and forth and back and forth. Are they here? You know, is it a is it a, a keel thing where they're 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 not up there? They're right here, just different dimension, and all these things. And my point in bringing that up is that forces you, if you're into this material like you and I are, like I've been since I was a child, and like you have, um, it forces you to imagine what are these things? If there are quote unquote aliens, what are they? And that vision on this journey for me has changed so radically in so many different ways from, you know, sky jellyfish, uh, sky snakes, uh, things that we can't even bioluminescent uh, ocean USO things that we don't even understand. It's broadened. Mm -hmm. But on the dark end of that, on on the fear spectrum of that, I've never thought of anything as scary as the alien in this thing. I, I think the only alien I've ever seen in film that really moved me in that way was probably the predator and the first predator. Um, when it opened its mouth, you took the mask off and opened the claw mouth. You know, I don't think any of us ever seen it like that. I certainly had, um, hadn't, but the alien in this thing, I want to talk about that and the design of the creature, Tony, um, 
1978, we haven't beat it. No. No. I, I, I think not. I mean, there's been a lot of great stuff done, for sure. Um, and like I've said, the other granddaddy in the room, for me, is the thing. And the designs and concepts behind that are a yes. whole other story, another approach, just as amazing to me. But this, you know, uh, they spent so much time and effort on it, like a remarkable amount. And getting H.R. Giger to do this was a really big coup. Like, that was a huge part of why this movie looks great. Have you, have you ever heard, have, do you know any stories about how that design was come to, what was inspired by, like the actual, you know, kind of, you literally, know, literally from H.R. Giger's paintings. H.R. Wow. Uh, Giger was a, was a, I think he was Swiss. He was a, he was a, a, a painter who wasn't world famous at the time, but he was kind of a cult figure. Yeah. And he was, you know, well known on the art and kind of the dark art scene because he did very, very creepy paintings that look like alien. I mean, if you see his stuff, you can immediately go, oh my God, they, they copied it. They didn't copy it. He, they hired him to do what he did in his paintings to the design of the movie. But really cool was the fact that they only had him design uh, half the movie. So Giger did the alien planet and all the alien stuff. But the Earth-based, like the Nostromo spaceship and all the Earth-based stuff was done, was done by a completely different art director. And so the two are two different nightmare visions, but they don't have anything to do with each other. They're really different. Right. And if you haven't seen H.R. Uh, Giger's stuff, you know, check it out online. You can find it anywhere. And you'll see he was drawing these kinds of alien creatures almost verbatim. Like, so Ridley Scott, to save time, uh, saw them. He was already signed on to the movie, kind of. But Ridley Scott was like, I've designed this. And Giger was like, well, I'll do some crazy... He's like, no, do that one, because we don't have any time to mess around. Like, I like that. Do Make that. Did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all the creatures, the eggs, the face hugger, um, the different iterations of it, yeah. the little ferret one, you know, the, yeah. the chest burster. Yeah, yeah. All came from his paintings. Man. Yeah, and the kind of, like, there's a... There's a um... There's like a reproductive sexual thing going on with with yeah. this whole thing, and it's funny. I kept thinking of the film Prometheus, which was to come later, which I think I need to revisit. I know I do. Um, wasn't crazy about it on my first viewing. Saw it in the theater in New York City, um, but boy, it kind of you see the, the the lines of of how we were or how this thing wants to replicate and reproduce, and the seeding and the hybrids, and where do we come from, and all that. Yeah. Uh, its desire to reproduce is is huge, obviously a huge theme. Yeah. Oh, very much so. Yeah. Its design is incredibly phallic and weird yeah. and hypersexualized, and, yes. and there's a lot of that in the movie. You know, like uh, just the way that you see these p people like naked at first, getting birthed out of these, you know, uh, hypersleep chambers, and um, the the aliens look very strangely sexualized you know and you also sometimes don't know it seems to be like that 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 what the aliens want what the alien wants may not just be to eat people <laughs> like there's oh. there's definitely weird intimations about that yeah no <clears throat> excuse me there's like that artwork where they're kind of like you know it's it's rear quarters are 
yeah. you know, inseminating. Yeah, well, it, when, when Lambert gets it, when, <laughs> yeah. when Lambert gets it, Veronica Cartwright, there's something very creepily sexual about that. And, Definitely. and, um, and it, that's layered throughout the movie. Like the Nostromo ship actually looks like, you know, it has breasts underneath it. There's weird, like there's, you know, they call the, the, the computer mother, yeah. Um, they enter yeah. this womb kind of room when they go to talk to mother. Mm-hmm. It's very, there's a lot of weird stuff about that going on, which is great. Um, but my point is, I, I, I think I might've already made this point, but, uh, my point is in watching that, I was thinking, okay, well, this is clearly Ridley Scott's, uh, I don't want to say belief system. I don't know, but certainly where he wanted to go with this in terms of, this is the this is the real alien human story, and it has to do with where we come from and reproduction. And, well, do you know what I mean? I do, but I, you know, I don't think it's I don't think we can totally credit Ridley Scott with that exclusively, uh, because there's a couple of players who are really key to this. Um, can we mention? Uh, is this a good time to bring up Dan O'Bannon? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because Dan O'Bannon is kind of like the Dan Aykroyd of Ghostbusters yeah. here. Yeah. Um. O'Bannon had made a, a movie with um, John Carpenter called Dark Star, which was a lot, in a lot of ways, a comedic version of Alien. Very low budget, campy, very funny movie actually. And Dan O'Bannon wrote that, and he's in it. And he was trying to make a name for himself, and he got hired to work with Yodorowsky on his Dune movies, which didn't happen. And spent a year with Yodorowsky learning about new technologies that he was going to use. And he kind of learned all this stuff and said, damn, I want to make a, a real version of Dark Star, like a scary version. Um, he was the one who found Giger and made the connection to that artwork, brought that to Ridley. But that weird sexualized thing was all in the artwork. So if Ridley and they agreed on that, it was already a theme in it, and there it wasn't just Ridley Scott doing it, you know. Yeah, I, was, I mean that's where he wanted to go for whatever reason. Oh yeah, see the genesis of him saying this is this is the story I'm going to tell, and these are the seeds of <laughs> seeds yeah. of it, pun intended. Totally, <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, I, I feel like I just want to pick your brain about it, like because again, I don't, I don't know what else I can say to it besides really praise it. And I agree with you that the, the action sequences, you know. For all its claustrophobia, which is amazing and oppressive, it also you kind of uh, have moments you feel like checking your watch a little, a little bit, just because it. it, it well, after the fortieth viewing, like I mean, that's the one thing. It's like the first half I can watch again and again and again and again and get new stuff out of it, got it, or get lost in it. And the second half I just can't get as excited about because uh, there's not a. Like I said there's not a lot of storytelling in it. Right. There's not a lot of like. There's not a lot of stuff in the action that that is um, that is designed the way Hitchcock or Spielberg might add these different these different obstacles to getting to the goal. These minor yeah, obstacles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, for instance, let's say that we knew uh, something more about Ripley's connection to Jonesy the cat. Mm. let's say we knew that Jonesy the cat was a, like a therapy animal for her or right. something right. that we had one moment where she freaked out because Jonesy wasn't there. Yeah. So that if you get to that point in the movie and weirder audience are a little bit ahead of that and go, Oh no, she doesn't have the cat, but we know how bad that would be. How bad she needs it. Then her looking for the cat would have been more of this emotional thing that I think you could invest in after 30 viewings. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It kind of lacks that yeah. level of stuff, which, you know, um, 
it's hardly a complaint. I almost just kind of like noted it this time. Agreed. Yeah. I, I, you wish some of the, the one wish for it, I guess, or one little, like you said, thing I noticed was that like some of that brilliant character stuff that's done so organically without expository dialogue. And like you said, without explaining it, you wish some of that had bled through into the action sequence so that those character things were tied to decisions yes, she made. Exactly. Yeah, yes. I thought the same like a, thing. Like a great action movie to me, the action is very tied to character. Absolutely. And it's tied to emotional things too. Yes. This was just very basically like people get guns, go here, Survive. get the thing, push the buttons and leave and all that Survive, stuff. that's it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so, well, we, but, we brought something new to it. We found something. <laughs> I did, you know, I did. I, 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 it was interesting to kind of put words to what I thought lagged. You know, because mm-hmm. um, it it's uh, but again, it's hardly a complaint because when you think about it, all they were trying to do was make Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, not all, right. but like that's they wanted to make a scary movie. Yeah. They just wanted to scare the audience to death. And you know, it's not it's not the movie's fault that Ridley Scott brought so much detail and reality to it that you're just like, well, where'd that part go? Because yeah, yeah. you know, I just could have gone that slow burn the whole way. The whole way. Yeah, that's yeah. more horrific for me. Just the tension. Always, I totally agree with that. Always, and we—we—that's another thing I've learned in this fifty-movie journey so far that we've only hopefully yeah. just begun is that that's always more effective. Oh, and you—and and the last point I'd like to make that you've triggered me into thinking about is the parallels to. And it's a little bit of a cliche thing to use as a as a comparison, I guess, or a little hack, but. Uh, you know, the kind of jawsiness of the creature, like how he restrains us from seeing it for so long. And we just see glimpses like you want, I found myself actually like leaning in to my computer screen, you know, like trying to see it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Trying to see more of it, which is just, well, they had the same funny. problem though. Cause that, you know, you couldn't show the whole suit at once and be scared anymore. It didn't, it's really didn't work as you know, in one piece, they had to show pieces of it and they had to kind of be, like cover it a little bit because once you pull back and really saw it, you just, you see it's a very tall person in, right. in a human suit. Right. Right. Um, which is something, you know, they were trying to get away from. And I guess, you know, somewhere in there, I'm like, uh, the design of the face hugger, the design of the chest burster, the eggs, the, the space jockey, the creature they find, you know, oh. the skeleton they find those, does those, it gets worse and worse and worse yes. and worse. Yes. And then it gets there and it stops. You're right. And I'm like, maybe some more, you know, uh, some more surprises along those lines would have been cool. Yeah. yeah and that's, that's very thing-ish. It's very thing-ish mm-hmm. all through that section. Uh, yeah. All those creatures you mentioned. Yes. Cause you're just, cause it's, it's not, uh, oh, look at that alien. They did a good job. It's what is that thing? And when you can do yeah. that to an audience, when you can do what the f- is that thing? Yeah, you've, you've done well. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, curious. Did you see uh, the director's cut or the theatrical release? I've, I've seen it. So it's funny. I, I saw the director's cut. Maybe my it wasn't. Did I? Is that the one I watched most recently? I might have watched it most recently. But I remember the scene. The scene that really stood out. It's been a while. Um, is what happened to those two when when she fire uh, spoiler alert when she torches her dallas happened to yeah dallas. yeah yeah and, you know help me that scene mm-hmm. um i re- distinctly remember that scene and going like oh love it love it incredible 
and I think there's a reveal of an alien that's in his in in the director's cut that is in the original. Um, another shot of the alien, but I remember thinking like I also kind of like not knowing what happened to them too. So I was a little ambivalent on that. Well, you know who else agrees that the theatrical release is the superior film is is Ridley Scott. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. And the story behind that's interesting because it's not that different. There's literally only like two different th- scenes or oh, moments okay. in it that are totally different. And it, and the, the director's cut is actually like a little shorter than the theatrical release. Wow. Um, it was more of a gimmick thing, like selling the DVD when it came out okay. to do like a thing to launch it. So he was like, yeah, I have a couple scenes I could throw in there. But he, he was happy with the theatrical cut. Oh, that's so cool, that's the one I watched this time, too. Yeah, me too. Me okay. too. And, uh, you know, I don't miss that scene with Dallas. I think the unknown there is scarier. I agree. I agree. And, uh, you know, it's funny with director's cuts in general, because um, we've run into this a few times. I always go for the theatrical version, unless I know for a fact that the director was wronged somehow, you know, or something, or he feels like his movie didn't get out there fully, and I know that they have a cut that they love, I'll probably go for that. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it yeah. does. You know, I mean... It's kind of, I, I, yeah. I mean, unless you're a big nerd about the movie, the director's cut is like, whatever. I can't even think. Like, I think The Abyss is pretty different, but okay. I haven't seen that in a while. Yeah, right. That's worth a um, visit, too. Um, yeah. What else about this movie don't I know, Tony, or don't we know, or that you loved or noticed or anything? Uh, I just can't say enough about this group of actors. I mean, I, you know, I think... I love them all more and more. Like, I just think they're just great. I notice little things about their performances, but you know, I've always been a big Veronica Cartwright fan. Um, I, I love her. I think she's just a great actor and never got the appreciation she really deserved. I think yes. she's, I think she's really beautiful in an interesting way too. And then yes. and people just didn't really always know how to use her. But I, I just think that what she brings to this and an invasion of the body snatchers mm. is, is pretty <laughs> rare. And and as a horror fan, I really can't think of another actor that that can portray horror being scared as well as Veronica Cartwright can. She yeah. she projects visceral dread and, and and horror at these proceedings. And you know they told her you know your character's the audience, so you're going to do a lot of crying and you're going to be upset. But the audience needs to know that there's a reason that this is they don't know the rules yet. So if they can have someone anchored to emotions that are real, they'll be able to know what the rules are. And so yes. she's hysterical through a lot, but in such a real way, it doesn't yes. feel like, you know, there, it doesn't feel like a comment on a, 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 the hysterical woman, for instance, in old sci-fi movies or whatever. It doesn't, it feels like this person is being pushed too far and you would be too. Yeah. You know? Like I remember we, we talked about her, um, for body snatchers and and um that that scene where donald sutherland gets the the famous shot of like oh the point yeah but it's it's her reaction to oh it. yeah exactly it's so freaking this really terrifying exactly yeah <laughs> so awesome. i love her good call ian, ian Holm. i mean I, the, that i mean he's one of my favorite actors in history and his work in this like mm-hmm. here you have a you know royal shakespeare like actor one of the you know, premier theater actors in in England of his day, mm. who's doing this, he's playing a, a robot in a, in a space <laughs> yeah, movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and he comes and he shows up and he does the most intensely weird, like interesting things with that character. Yeah. Love him. That is something else I noticed. I'm glad you brought that up here uh, is Ash. And, and 
it's almost like watching, I don't know, like the sixth sense again or something when you know there's a twist and you know the twist and, and suddenly little things that were thrown away when you watch it the first time you go, Oh, Oh, that has a double meaning. That's he's, he's, I see he's processing. Mm-hmm. He's evaluating. It's so yes. good. Yeah, and he may be going wrong in the head. Like True. there's also like maybe he's there's that Hal ref. Like it's very ref, there's a lot of 2001 nods in here, and that's one of them. Like he's like yeah, like a, a Hal who walks around, you know. And yeah. I think he's going mad. Yeah, and thing too. Another another parallel thing is is you know who's who's the thing and and um, yeah, what the thing is thinking in the body. So yeah. I also remember like um, a thing that doesn't get really discussed because this is really this started a lot of this uh, in a lot of movies, but it's still it's still a seventies paranoia movie because I remember this being like a movie where as a kid I was like, wait, the corporation did it? You know, the, the, this is all a, a, a rigged thing. Like, oh my god, it really blew my mind, and I don't think um, that trope had been overused like that. And they use the same idea in, in Aliens, you know, in the second one. Yeah. But then that became a thing all the time where it's like the evil Great corporation point. that actually this is the, like the this is the granddaddy of that too in a lot wow. of, I think. And they're probably earlier versions, but uh this was the biggest one I can think of in in the horror world. Great point. Yeah, I didn't even think about that aspect of it, that whole uh You know, like that's a fear that's a first time view that that moment blows you away the first time you see it. Yeah, you're like, right. what? They, you know. They knew. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. you go back and you're like, oh my God. Like, you you realize you're seeing that transmission. That's the first thing that happens in the movie. Mm. The, you know, when you see the helmets with yes. the reflected lights from the yes. computers. And yes. that's, the ship is waking up because it gets that transmission right at that moment. And it's very simple storytelling. It's not, you know, it, you forget how much it tracks because it's, there's so much to look at. Yeah. Like you just lost in it every time. But it's like post, uh, you know, allegory for post war, post Watergate, et cetera, et cetera. Like uh, post assassinations, um, kind of distrust yeah. or, you know, coming, coming out of that idealistic baby boomer thought of like hey things people aren't always out for your best interests here <laughs> no yeah. no and it says we're like what would you, what is earth like now that's another thing mm. we never know so mm. it's kind of scary it's kind of uneasy from that perspective because we don't really know what they're going back to right either brilliant. so yeah, brilliant um anything else tony as we uh wrap up oh, what can we say i mean what, what where do we begin and where do we end i mean it's just one thing after another uh, I, I mean, I feel completely Ill, Ill suited and ill prepared to like, to do it, except to say that, you know, I will continue to watch this thing, you know, every year, you know, it's, it's, you know, there are certain things that like, this is an interesting example of a movie that, um, the in-camera effects are for the most part astounding. This is where I could see like being helped by a little bit of CGI I could see a director going, yeah, I'd really want that because these models, as great as they are, if you don't have enough money to do it again and again and again and again and again and really perfect it, there'll be a little bit of a jiggle, a little bit of a focus thing where you're yeah. like, it gives the gag away just a tiny bit. Yes. But that notwithstanding, just because it doesn't hit 2001 level of of like excellence, it still does pretty well. I mean, the stuff looks great. And they didn't have a, they, you know, it was a, it was his second movie. 
It was Ridley Scott's second movie. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's like one of those meant to be alchemy things. I feel like you know what I mean. Like you just the right cast, right time. Yeah. Right, you know, just everything. And uh, I mean, steel cage match. Because, boy, I, I did. I kept thinking about the thing watching this uh, steel cage match. If you had to watch one thing or this, God, Sorry. why do you do it to me? It's so that's one. That's an ugly thing. Um, <laughs> well, you'll be able to watch them both again. But let's say you know you're stuck in a log cabin. They say bring one DVD with you. It's either Alien or The Thing. Well, if I'm stuck in a log cabin. I probably would bring Alien because it's a much less depressing movie. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Believe it or not. No, They're I both pretty depressing. But but the thing is, you know, I mean, the thing is like one of the most depressing movies ever made. The, the thing says there's no redemption. There's, there's no, no hope. There's no redemption. Everybody's dying. Everybody goes. It's yeah, bad. It it's really at least rough. we might try to get out of here. I don't want to be alone in a cabin like for extended periods of time with just that as entertainment. Yeah, yeah, my answer to that question is Mary Poppins. Right, exactly. You know, Jonesy's Jonesy's the cat survives. I want it. That's okay. Then everything's okay. There you go. And and in the thing, the cat would have become. Oh, the cat's head would fly yeah. into your face, and yeah, <laughs> its paws would start detaching. Yeah. Um, all right, Tony, are we ready for our the Maggie yeah, Tonys? Absolutely. As long as you know, I have free next week to go. Oh, this other thing about Alien that I forgot because I didn't have my notes together all right everybody get your tuxes on here we go ladies get your gowns uh it is time for the first annual maddie and tony awards you're a son of a bitch you know that mississippi moon won't you keep on shining on me jessica (laughs) stop being such a pussy Uh, we are 50 episodes in we have done 50 films, um, and so we are going to pick categories uh, based on these 50 films that we have done. Tony, do you have your uh, PDF uh, that Kerrig made for us um, to choose um, from these uh, selections? I do. Okay, so let's start with a favorite scene. What is your favorite scene of our 50 movies? This is this has been a very hard thing for me, so yes. I want you to bear with me. But I think right now, I'm, the scene I'm going to say, uh, my favorite scene would be the long um, tracking shot of the switchboard operator in Vast of Night. Okay, so Vast of Night is coming up on my list in a very similar way. It just blew my mind. I, I, I thought this performance was incredible in this movie. I thought she was great, and it's kind of a... It's kind of a way to give her a nod too. Um, I'm a huge fan of Sierra McCormick as as an actor in this movie, but I can't. That sh- I have to give somebody else the actor award. Yeah. So I want to acknowledge her by saying this scene was my. It's my. It's really the one that I loved most. It's so good, yeah. And that movie definitely uh, appears on my list uh, coming up in a bit here. Um. So, favorite scene for me. This is a tough one. This is such a tough one. But I went uh, with Stir of Echoes, the town going to the football stadium. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you did that. I was I was thinking of doing a list kind of along those lines. We totally could have done a parody list here. Um, no. 51st but... episode will do that. Um <laughs> 
Um, I think what I'm going to go with is. Oh, I'm so torn, dude. This is so hard. I don't know why I did this to us, but I did. Right, you're doing it to both of us here. I know. I think I'm going to go with Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Um, and, you know, there's a bunch to choose from. Richard Dreyfus's uh, The Moment in His Truck, where he has that encounter with the UFO and the way the truck is lit up, the effects of that. Uh-huh. Um his acting performance is really what just uh. killed me in rewatching it. I forgot, I, you know, that, that whole scene took my breath away and um, it stayed with me. It stayed with me to the point where it chilled me to the point where I go, if, 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 sometimes I'm driving at night and I think I see something in the sky. I think of that scene. And so it, it just, it just leapt to mind when we said favorite scene. Well, uh, this is interesting because uh, my favorite shot is the shot right after that of the highway where the lights come down. Oh, well, let's skip to that then because my favorite shot is, I swear to God, I think we're making this up. I will show you my list. My favorite shot is from Vast of Night. Uh, <laughs> the continuous camera shot that, that everyone... The long gave, tracking the shot. The long tracking shot through the town. Now, I know that everybody gave that shot a lot of attention, so it seems like an obvious pick, but I didn't know when I saw it that it was continuous. I assumed there were cuts that we couldn't see. Uh, and I, while watching it, not even realizing that it was one long shot, I go, this is the coolest thing like I've ever seen. And I love the town. I was transported there from the gym to the operator. Oh, it's great. It's just it's great. So there's two vast. I think that's very significant. There's two vast of night votes and two close encounters votes mm-hmm. on this list already. Both UFO movies, really. Um, yeah. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, I'm, I was trying to push against picking big, big classics like Same. that because, um, I want, I just want to support like weirder movies that not a lot of people maybe have seen and, and, and put the attention on that, but you can't Same. mess with close encounters, man. Yeah, I mean, you just, just can't. kept coming to my mind and I couldn't get it out of my mind. So, um, okay. How great, about, great pick. thanks you too. How about. Okay. Do you want to do any honorable mentions while we're on the topics, or we Absolutely. do honorable mentions sure. after? Okay, because I have I have a couple that I that are really like neck Absolutely. and neck with that. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, Go. I'm gonna say the uh, the the diner scene in Mothman Prophecies with Will yes. Patton yes. and watching the TV. Oh, and he sees the TV. Yes. Yeah, is really high on my list um, of favorite favorite scenes. Yes, and um, something I went for honorable mention uh, was the wind, the aforementioned wind when the cabin light goes on. Uh, yeah. When you think no one's there and the cabin yeah. light goes on. Fantastic. Yeah. Also, uh, the first home invasion in communion is is a completely terrifying. Yes. Completely terrifying yes, sequence. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, amazing. And then another uh, honorable mention for my scene work was in um, – our very first film ever communion, the kitchen scene, Christopher Walken admits to his wife that it was indeed an abduction experience. He kind of like breaks down mm-hmm. to her, but in a really real way, he never breaks down. There's no histrionics. He just kind of like says, I, this is what happened to me. And it's just an amazing scene. Um, I also got a shout out to the, the fire bed scene in dead zone. Um, <sighs> when he has his first rec- you know, uh, vision, yeah. Yeah, it's, ter- yes, it's terrifying and great. Yes, sir. All right. Um, how about favorite line? Favorite line in our 50 movies? you got to pick one. 
Okay, you know I'm gonna pick one. Um, <laughs> well, we may have the we may have the same one. I, I mean, I have a few favorite lines, but I was trying to focus on things that were particularly involved paranormal issues or paranormal sure. something, oh, okay. as That's opposed smart. to just this great scene that worked yeah. or whatever. Um, but the George C. Scar- Scott's monologue in Exorcist Three, when he is pinned up against mm. the wall. Um, his I believe in death, I believe in disease speech. Um, I, I just think it's the most memorable piece of dialogue I, I heard spoken the whole the whole uh, 50 shows we did. Incredible. Um, now, I, I just, I can't do anything except for just say that it comes from my heart. And, and I, I'm afraid people are going to accuse me of pandering here. But if you listened to the episode of Sender you'll know that I'm not just picking this because Tony directed it. I'm not, I swear to God, this is the truth. The line that moved me the most this year in 50 movies was Amelia and her saying, she is the rising sun. She is the culmination of everything we have worked for like that. Like even just thinking about it, I get the chills. That's stuck. That is cool. So absolutely. Yes. You directed it. That is my favorite line of the year. Well, she, she, she uh, knocked that out of the park for sure. Oh, it's just, it's everything that movies That's really cool. should be, independent films should be. Think about how dangerous this could become for her. She if- is the rising sun. It's not up to you. She is the product of everything we have ever tried to accomplish. I'm going to give an honorable mention on the lines to uh, a line that to me sums up the feeling of being around the supernatural. Mm. And that is um, Palmer's line in the thing. David Clennon says when he sees the head walking away on leg stalks, you got to be kidding me. Like it it, it completely is what you're thinking. And he says it. I, I love it. I'm mad. I didn't think of it. Um, two quick honorable mentions for me online is George C. Scott again. Um, I have done everything I can do when he yells at the, the ghost changeling. The ch- in the changeling. Yeah. Uh, so good. What else do you want from me? And his voice echoes, just got the chills. And how about a funny one from the Wolf of Snow Hollow? Um, I think he made that during a time when it was like, there's a lot of kind of um, in the news. There was some 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 kind of anti-police rhetoric going on and stuff. And there's a scene where someone throws a beer bottle at his at his cop car. And he's like, "Who threw a beer bottle at a police car?" And just his <laughs> kind of like he has a few lines like that of just like wide-eyed innocence. You know, do women really have to put up with this stuff? <laughs> you know, like just so good, so good, perfect. Getting down to the nitty gritty here, Tony. These are tough ones. You have to oh, this is I'm sweating right now. Oh, God. Overall performance and then overall film. These are the big. These are the. Listen, a lot of people come to the Maddie and Tonys just for the sushi uh, and to wear their, you know, their <laughs> and the best. karaoke, right? What, karaoke Wednesdays. Yeah, and they like to dress up and they like the paparazzi take their picture. But everybody stays to see these two final Tony and Maddies. Uh, overall performance and overall film. Um, uh, you want me to go or do you want to lead? I'll, I'll lead performance. I guess I'm going to go and do something crazy. And I'm going to say uh, Christopher Walken in communion. I love it. I love it. I, I wrestled. I almost picked that. And the reason is because I think more than any other performance, except for Dreyfus and Joe Beth Williams, mm. 
but this kind of edges it out. It shows what it must be like for a human being to deal with the absolutely horrible, unbelievable supernatural phenomenon. And like, he just captures that sense of losing your mind and, and, and it's so chilling and well done. Yes. Yes, sir. Fantastic choice. And uh, could have been any one of those. Um, and, and like you, I tried to kind of stick to maybe smaller movies, although they seem to be most of my honorable mentions, but I just couldn't, um, I think it's, the, I think it's the goat performance, perhaps in any film, certainly paranormal film. Um, and it's a big one. Apologies, but I had to give it to Ellen Burstyn for The Exorcist. I mean, oh yeah, good no job. Matter, no matter how many times I see that movie, Tony, her like I I literally have trouble talking about it because I choke up. Like her uh, scenes to Karis, her pleas to Karis, like that's my daughter. Help my daughter. Can someone help my daughter? Like I just can't. Just, incredible. She's incredible, and it's such a good. You know, I, it's a, actually kind of shaming that anybody else would be on the list because she's so good. <laughs> no. Um. I'm going to give an honorable mention to Andrea Riceborough from Possessor. I oh, think she is freaking fantastic in that movie. Yes. Um, and, uh, and to uh, the great uh, Louis Del Grande, whose head explodes in Scanners. I think uh, he does some good facial expressions. He does. He's actually wicked good in that. He's great in it. He's he really, really is, very like, believable. It's he's, amazing. He's so is believable. Um, it's almost like he thought he was actually doing a sales presentation of some kind. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, um, and you know, under, I'm leaving out tons of great stuff, but I'm just kind of like grabbing things that I want to. I think I, that should be seen more. But anyway, did you have an, any honorable mentions? Just one honorable mention for, and I forget her name, which is embarrassing. Um, Catherine the, Keener, brand new cherry flavor. I know that's what you were going to say. Was I? Yeah. Was it? I see your notes on your desk. Oh, okay. It's next to your uh, Schwarzenegger. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got tickets to his great off-Broadway show. We both said no to this one, but I want to shout out the performance. Jennifer Carpenter as Emily Rose. That girl went through the ringer for that performance, so shout out to her. She rough. almost that saved was rough. It. Yeah. That was that she went through hell for sure. Oof, oof. And she's great in it. She really She is. really is. Yeah. She's the probably the only scary thing about it is those faces she makes and stuff. So, yeah. Um, oh, and then, I'm sorry, the other I will mention was the, just the whole cast of The Witch. Just like... Oh, yeah, okay. If we did Ensemble, sure. they'd get well, the vote. Ensemble, <laughs> you, got it, you got the thing, you got a lot of them. Yeah, We're in trouble. Yeah. I mean, that's we got, we don't, we've got a short show. We can't. All right, Tony, here comes the granddaddy. Overall film. I, 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 I'm gonna, I pick something I think you're going to be surprised at. Because, again, I'm trying to be... I don't want to just be like eh, close encounters. Mm. I got a poster of the movie in my room. I know. Right? I know. I'm going to come out because I think, as a movie that represents the supernatural, yeah. that represents all the things we talked about on this show, you're going to make me change my pick. That that represents you know like the widest possible net about this stuff. Mothman prophecies. Uh, I, I you know what I I love that pick. I really, yeah. really do. Um, I thought I, I was going to get fight from you on it, no, but I'm glad. Oh no, no, that movie scared the blank out of me when I saw it. Yeah, it's it. terrifying. Yeah. And I had hey. read Keel's book as a teenager, so I kind of went in a little jaded at the time, um, and it just blew me away. I think that's a great pick. I just think it captures the the, uh, the vibe of being around the weird, like the uncanny, in a way that uh, is a great um, overall statement 
about it. So that's my pick. Are you crying? I'm crying because I... Because <laughs> you pick Mary choose. Poppins. I can't choose. Well, like... <sighs> True Lies isn't uh, isn't supernatural. Oh, then... Okay, good night, everyone. Yeah, we're a kid. Um, I wanted to pick... The, the movie that made me feel the best, like the biggest surprise this year was Vast of Night, and I actually wanted to surprise you and pick that as my as my pick. That's an, that would be... that right. I've wrestled with it. Okay, I did. Yeah, good, me too. And... um. But I'm just gonna I'm gonna sell out. I'm gonna sell out and go with the goat. You know, I, I just I just think The Exorcist is, you know, it's it has it has more than any other film I've ever seen in this space in the paranormal space. It's survived the most multiple viewings, time and time again. Like every other movie, even I, I love watching Halloween. Watch it every Halloween. I think it's great. But, I hear you. It doesn't yeah. beat Shining though. It doesn't beat The Shining. For well, we haven't reviewed watchability. It. We haven't, no, we haven't that's true. It. <laughs> that's true. Clash um, of the Titans, man. These are big films. These are big films. So I'm I'm happy with our picks. I think we represented our films great. Um, please do us a favor and um, give us your categories. I'm going to post these categories when we release this episode. Great. Leave them blank. Please let us know your lists. We would love to read them. You can also I'm super. I really, we really do. Super curious what I'm people super say. Curious, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, scan. You can get the list of potentials by just scanning our podcast episode titles. You'll see the titles of the films we reviewed right in our title. Um, scan through and and pick your favorite categories. I will leave them blank on the social media pages so you can insert uh, whatever your choices are, and we would have a blast reading those uh, on our next week's episode. Indeed. Well, Tony, happy 50th, brother. Happy 50th to you. 50's not so bad. On the other side of that, you know, we're just going to putter around now and go get the mail and sit in the lawn chair. Eat some, 50, uh, after 50, what do you do? Eat some yams and mashed potatoes, which I actually coincidentally did during the broadcast of the show. Sure, root vegetables are great. Give me an Arnold Palmer and some root vegetables. Um, next week, we have a very special episode. We're going to have a special guest because we are approaching the time of the Super Bowl. Also, for those of you not into football, there is something called the Puppy Bowl. And uh, as you know, if you listen to this show, Puppy Bowl ref Dan Shackner, the guy who is the referee on the Puppy Bowl uh, that airs on Animal Planet, he's left us a message before. He's a big-time listener of this podcast. He's going to be our special guest uh, because it's Super Bowl time. And Dan Shackner, the Puppy Bowl ref from Animal Planet, is going to help us review the movie Pet Cemetery. Uh, because he's the dog expert, Tony. I'm so happy about this. <laughs> we don't even have to do a show. Just hearing that is just the funniest damn thing. Okay. All right, everybody. Thank you for making these 50 episodes so wonderful. We love you. And um, Tony, until next week. You bet, buddy. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Rated P for Paranormal. Please rate, review, and share. It really does make a difference. For more information, to participate, and even donate, go to our main page, anchor.fm slash Rated Paranormal. On social media, we're at Rated Paranormal. All music is by Andrew Goldens Jr. You can find him on Instagram at Kid Riga or go to therocketscience.bandcamp.com. This podcast was created, written, produced, and edited by Maddie Blake and Anthony Arkin. Oh, I even need it is Cause something like this Miss Rachel 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 Miss Rachel
Mississippi moon, won't you keep on shining on me?